Welcome to the Fromer Travel Show. I'm your host, Pauline Fromer. So glad to have you here with me. And uh, co-hosting today is Jason Cochran. He is the editor-in-chief of Fromers.com, and he is the author of our guidebooks to both London and Orlando, specifically the theme parks of Orlando. And I have a feeling we didn't talk, Jason, about discussing that, but I know you have a new article up. So I'm thinking maybe maybe we should discuss that as well. Welcome, sure. Jason. Thank you. You can hear me, right? We can I can that, hear you. The other stuff, sure. Okay. All right. So the other stuff, the other stuff has to do with the fact that protocols are changing again, but in a a direction that's positive for travelers. Is that a fair way to, to put it? I think it is because a lot of places are taking this moment to open up and drop the restrictions that they've got. And we're talking about different countries, especially in Europe. Um, so yeah, I think that's positive. If you're ready to travel, it's a, it's a good development. So what, what specific countries have dropped those restrictions? It's interesting. A lot of um, the Scandinavian societies in the last few weeks have just sort of decided to up and let go of all of their restrictions. And when I say that, I mean that. that no more mask wearing necessary. No more limits on crowds. In Denmark and in Norway, even, if you test positive for the coronavirus, you don't even have to isolate anymore. And it sounds wow. radical. Yeah, but this is Scandinavia. So they've they've come at they've arrived at this through great thought and research. And I'll explain what they're thinking, as opposed to what you know, we tend to be thinking in the United States along these lines. Well, um, it, we can't say that Scandinavia is monolithic because earlier in the pandemic, Sweden had very different policies than the different. rest of Scandinavia. So, but this is this is something that's more pan-Scandinavian, right? And, and, and what is the science behind this? Or what are they saying that the science well, is behind it, this? It, it seemed to uh, originate mostly from Denmark first. And Denmark has a very strong genomic testing abilities uh, for the coronavirus. They lead the world in really getting to the nitty gritty of the different you know strains of the, the virus that exist and looking at the DNA. What Denmark eventually came to believe is that, you know, for the first two years of the pandemic, we were very, very obsessed with the infection rate. And right. if the infection rate goes up, we should all be alarmed. What Denmark started to realize after Omicron hit, uh, you know, late last year is, okay, it's spreading like wildfire. You can't control it even with masks. No matter what they do, they couldn't keep it under wraps. And at the same time, People who were getting Omicron, especially the vaccinated people, were not getting severe illness. And so Denmark said, let's stop looking at infection rates because everyone's getting infected. Let's instead look at hospitalization rates and mm. death rates. They uncoupled right. the two. And their hospital rates were manageable. Their infection rates went way up. Here in America, we're more attuned to the infection rate. And we are also worried about the hospital hospitalization rate, but the infection rate is the is the figure that a lot of municipal governments are pegging their regulation changes to. Huh. And um, and there's a belief now in Europe that that is that was great for the original strain of COVID and for Delta. It's no longer useful for Omicron because infection rate does not necessarily mean a lot of people are getting terribly sick. 
Well, so that's is why it, they're doing this. Is it because vaccination rates are higher in Scandinavia and other parts of Europe than they are here? And so there is, there's there's that element as part of it. Yes, and there's a lot of societal uh, cohesion where everyone's willing to you know do what it takes together and look out for each other. But I think we have less of that in the U.S. right now. But but also in Switzerland is also dropping a lot of its restrictions. And Switzerland's vaccination rate is only a couple points different from ours, somewhere in the 60s. So I don't think one could say that all, you know, that all of these countries that are dropping these uh, restrictions have this much higher vaccination rate than we do. Although it's certainly true in Denmark. It's not necessarily true in Switzerland. Uh, it's, they're really just worried about how sick are people actually getting now from this new version of COVID. And there's a lot of scientists who are saying Omicron has is the vaccine we didn't invent. It's like sweeping society. It's making people immune uh, as soon as you get it. Um, and uh, so that's the reason these, these places are willing to open up more and more. Than, so hopefully it's good for news for travelers. But yeah, they have absolutely. to be willing to go to a place without restrictions. And right. I do know that there are many Americans who are very uncomfortable with that. So this week, because, you know, as we said, I cover Disney. Disney in both on both coasts said you don't have to wear a mask anymore uh, inside if you've been vaccinated. And the social media uproar from people was alarmed. People thought, oh, we're all, you know, this is terrible news um, because we're still thinking in terms of, of uh, infection rates and not in terms of the hospitalization rates. And Americans, we must remember, there are a lot more comorbidities in America. There's a higher obesity rate in America. So mm, there are reasons yeah. that, that our hospitalization rates are still and our death rates are still a matter of concern. So I don't want to diminish this whatsoever. But European in Denmark and places like that, they're not seeing the same morbidity rate that we have been seeing in the United States. And so they feel more confident that they can expose themselves to the virus in a ways that we don't yet feel that confident about. I wonder if also if it also has to do with the age of populations. I remember when early in the pandemic Italy got hit. Uh, the news was buzzing about the fact that they have an older population than many countries in the world, and that's why they were seeing so many deaths. I wonder if that is also playing into these decisions. In the years that come, we're going to learn so much more about what COVID is, what it yeah. does. We're still, you know, looking through the fog of war, all of us, you right. know. Europe and America. One day we'll, we'll really be able to understand what exactly we've been through and as we try to piece together what happened. Um, but that, that's all we can say. In Europe, they're starting to feel more comfortable about dropping. Even, even Italy and Spain have lifted masking mandates for outdoor spaces. They haven't hmm. gone as far as, you know, as Denmark has and just dropping them all and saying, don't even, don't even isolate if you test. But you can see the general shift you can see a general shift in America too, but not so quickly. A general shift towards an abandonment of uh, of restrictions, as Omicron just you know the crest of the wave is now behind us, and it's it's sort of it's done its rampage. Yeah, and when t we're talking about your Europe, it's also important to note that uh, the island of Saint Martin, also known as Saint Martin, uh, which is half Dutch and half French is also dropping a lot of their regulations, surprisingly. So that's, that's, it's, it's getting into many, many different regions. We're seeing these, these developments. It's absolutely fascinating. Okay. You and mentioned. Sometimes it's still a hybrid, by the way, because in France, you know, on the 28th of February, you won't have to wear a mask at a restaurant, but you still will have to show vaccination. So right. this is this hybrid approach. Right. Um, and one day we'll, we'll, we'll know whether even that part was necessary or not. One day. Right. One day. To, to go through it. Yeah, hopefully soon. And yeah. you mentioned Disney. 
there's an article that's about to go up on Fromers.com uh, about Disney doing what? Something they do annually, right? <laughs> Raising prices. The, the oh. piece is now, it's now live on, uh, on Fromers.com. It's almost like everyone, I can hear the, the listeners going, yeah, it always raises the prices. What else is new? But it, it feels different this time it, because so much, and we've been writing about this for the last two years, Disney has been cutting and cutting and cutting the experiences inside the parks from mm. there still aren't any parades. There still aren't any trams at most of the parks. You know, they've, they've, they're, they're talking about decreasing the portion size. They've already increased the food prices. You're getting less and less and less for your money. And it used to be, when Disney raised prices every year, people would go, yeah, but it's Disney. It's such a great experience. People are willing to pay it. That second part of it is starting to fall away. People are starting to say, I'm not getting as much for my dollar as I used to get when I went to Disney. And so how dare they keep raising prices? So that there's like a really interesting backlash that's been happening, especially among the diehard fans of the last six or eight months, where people are starting to get really turned away by the brand. People I know who might have purchased Disney Vacation Club credits or gone three times a year. I know several people who said, I don't feel like going back for a while. Huh. Are uh, you so also seeing this changing. on social media? Absolutely. I, in fact, in, I, there's many examples. I could have done a you know, huge, huge article just about that alone. Instead, I found one man. He's a YouTuber. Uh, he's about 16,000 followers. And he posted a video last week that said, I canceled my Disney trip. And this huh. video has now gotten more than 150,000 views, far like 10 times the number of his subscribers, which means it went viral, right? Right. Um, and the last line of his, his speech that he gives in this video says, everything's cut back. Unfortunately, as much as I love Disney, I think I love the thought of Disney and not what Disney actually is. Wow. And I thought that's a big thing to say when, when you get someone who is tried and true mouse head which that's a nickname for a fan of Disney, you know, saying something like that and saying, I'm not going to go. Now we can all yeah. say that they're still crowded. And I do say, yes, they are still crowded right now. But I think we're in this transition moment with Disney as the value of the vacation that you get there has been so deteriorated. Um, where people are going now because they haven't been able to travel for two years or because they're curious about the bad press they've been reading about Disney. And they're finding that they don't want to go back. So even though it's busy now, it doesn't mean the people you see in the park today are going to be there again in six months. That's, I think we're in a weird place. Yeah, that's fascinating because you start your book on uh, or your your section on Disney in in your Orlando guide by saying that going there, it's kind of uh, it's the happiest place on earth. Because people expect it to be the happiest place on earth, partially. Yeah, it's also right. the magic and the creativity and, you know, and, and memories of past trips. But there is just this feeling like this is so special in my life. And if that goes, it's going to shift the, the Disney experience. If that and expectation I think that's, goes. That's, you hear from a lot of people now that, they don't want to be on their phones planning what ride to do next, which is what they expect you to do now in Disney. You don't want to be on your phones ordering your next meal. You don't want to find it so hard to find a restaurant reservation that you have to get up two months ahead of time and, and make, you know, make your plans. People are just don't want to do that much anymore. It's too much of a strain. It's too much of a burden. And that magic you're talking about, that sense of nostalgia from past trips that used to get, used to be generated is not really happening as often with a lot of people. Hmm. And wow. but some of the people say this is this is an intentional. 
that Bob Chapek, who's the current CEO, made a calculation that the people who go to Disney all the time spend less. If you go a lot, you, you, you spend less. It's the people who are there for the first time, don't know much about it. They're the ones who will spend the most. They're the ones who will stay at the hotels because they haven't learned yet. They're too expensive or whatever. So he, you know, th- there's an understanding that Chapek and the current executives of Disney parks really kind of want to push out the fans who have been going a long time because of their per day spending is not as high as the people who are more casual consumers of the product. So this is almost intentional. Right. There's a big debate on what will this will mean for the future of the company when it's a company that depends on that nostalgia that you were talking about. We know yeah. you ha- don't have a good trip now. Where's the nostalgia? Yeah, absolutely. You also wrote a piece this week about a really kind of sneaky, devious, but totally legal, legal. travel <laughs> hack uh, at and it can be used at the Disney theme parks. It can be used at restaurants. Uh, it's gotten a lot of attention. I think you struck a, a chord with this one. What is the hack? If you have a reservation that you are unable to honor or unwilling to honor, and we're talking at a hotel or at a Disney restaurant, and, and, and if you did not show up at the reservation that you would be penalized for, as many hotels now will charge you if you don't show up, or Disney will charge you $10 if you don't show up for a restaurant reservation, there is a way around it. And it's so simple, it's surprising that most people haven't thought of it. As the moment of the appointment approaches, the appointment that you can't do, right. modify your reservation. Just go in, edit it into your probably you go to the website on Disney, you go through an app at a hotel, you can either call or go through their website and change that reservation from tomorrow, if it's tomorrow, to four months into the future, let's say. Because once you move that reservation way into the future, you're no longer subject to those cancellation penalties because you're not last minute anymore. Huh. So just postpone your reservation to a time when there's not a penalty to chart to, to cancel it. It's as simple as, as that. And they allow you to change your reservations in many cases. So it's not illegal. They, yeah. They've given you the ability to change your reservations. So just do it. Now, there are some instances, and you must, this is where you must be careful when you first book. Because if you're going to get, let's say, a non-refundable hotel room, sometimes it'll, it'll be technically refundable if you cancel by 24 hours. Sometimes once you paid, it's over with. You just right. have to make right. sure that you have that ability built in to postpone your reservation later on. You know, I, I, right right now I'm in Chicago and I'm here because I'm going to be appearing this weekend at the Chicago Travel and Adventure Show. And next weekend, I think it's next weekend is Washington, D.C. I'll be in Boston after that. So if you're in any of those areas, please come come out to the travel show and, and, and come visit. I'd love to see you. I've been struggling with whether or not to add this tip to my speech. And I would give you credit, Jason, but part of me thinks, well, part of me, I think I don't want to get hurt. I'm worried that people in my audience will think that this is a really unethical hack. How do you push back against that? And I'm going to use this. I do account for this. I do okay. account for this in, in what I wrote last my first choice is if you postpone it, you use the postponed reservation later on that you don't cancel. I'm trying to get people out of the penalty of things that they can't honor for whatever reasons. Maybe you tested positive for COVID. Maybe someone got sick. 
Maybe there's yeah. a reason, a very good reason. Maybe you're just plum exhausted and you can't go to that restaurant today. You can't necessarily know these things four months ago when you made that reservation. So I'm just trying to get people out of that. It, move that reservation and then honor the reservation later on. If that's the way you feel, if you, if you, if you have trouble with the ethics of this, then it doesn't have to be an outright cancellation. Right. Um, just postpone it. The other thing is I would never do something like this. Let's say a mom and pop bed and breakfast with four rooms. Sure. Changing at the last minute because they're not going to fill that room. Yeah. If it's a giant 400-room Marriott hotel, I feel less bad about it, to be honest. And Disney, because, you know that somebody's going to take that reservation. Oh, at Disney, I don't feel bad at all because there's a waiting list of people outside every restaurant right now, people who couldn't get a reservation. That's one of the annoyances of Disney right now. They're going to fill that spot immediately. So it's kind of gross that they'd be charging a cancellation fee where they're going to fill that table no matter what anyway. Right. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I, how I respond. If you don't want to stick it to the travel vendor, don't. Just use that reservation later on. Okay. I, I think that's that's reasonable. Um, another uh, – so we've been talking about protocols changing. Another big change that we're seeing in travel is air travel is really, really shifting right now. We're seeing, on the one hand, the emergence of what I would call – European-style cheapo carriers coming to the United States. There's one called Play uh, that is going from secondary airports to Europe and charging, for the most part, very little to do so. But they are nickel and diming their guests to death. So if you want to choose a seat, and who doesn't want to choose a seat? If you're going to fly from the U.S. to Europe, do you really want to be stuck in the middle seat? I don't. Uh, So you're going to want to choose a seat, but every damn seat on the plane or every third seat has a different price. So, you know, you sit in the last row, it's $6 extra. You sit two rows ahead of it, that it's $12 extra. It's just mind-boggling the way they've uh, – you know, you could have three people in one party paying a different amount. If you want to bring on a bag, they're going to charge you the same whether you check it or whether you uh, 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 carry it on into the cabin with you. And the charges are big. It's like $50 each way, which which adds a significant amount of money. In fact, sometimes even with their initial low cost, when you add in choosing the seat and the bag, the discount is gone. Uh, they're doing this. That's play. There's also an airline called Swoop, which has a mind-boggling array of, of extra costs. And then you have Alaska Airlines which is an airline I like very much, actually. Uh, When you look at their approval ratings, when you look at the studies that show that they're one of the top ones in terms of the comfortableness of their seats, the friendliness of their crews, the uh, their on-time arrival and departure statistics, they're always at the top for those things. I don't know why they're doing this, but they're starting what they're calling a subscription service. They're, they want people to pay them a monthly amount to fly a certain amount of times each year. And when I heard about this, it's Alaska Airlines. They're the good guys. I assumed this would be a good deal. But there are so many limitations 
on on this deal on when you can fly like for example the cheapest subscription is $49 a month but you can only travel every other month so you're really paying $98 for that fare and on many of the routes their competitors have fares on those routes that are less than $98 round trip uh plus it's only for the west coast as by which I mean California plus Reno, Las Vegas, and Phoenix. So it's very, very limited. I, I just am wondering who's going to buy this. Every other travel publication but us led with the headline, subscription service, uh, travel on Alaska Airlines, only $49 a month, which makes it sound like unlimited flights for $49 a month. But that's not what it is. I don't know, Jason. Do you think people are going to go for this? No, I don't. I think there there are very few people will be able to use it enough to make it pay off. Like, how often yeah. are you going to fly between L.A. and San Luis Obispo unless you have family there? And even then, you're going to want to go more often than what they're allowing you to do. So the, the amount of people who are able to use this, I think, are extremely niche. But it is extremely niche. But the thing you were talking about, you know, all these new European-style airlines, for a while, the term for them was low-cost carriers. You've probably heard that before. Of course. I think that term is now obsolete because hmm. I, I think they're just no-frills carriers. Because, frankly, when you break down the prices on Swoop, for example, where you pay for a your checked bag or you pay for a carry-on, if you break down all the things you're going to need and add them to the all these little fees to your base price, you're coming up very close to the price you would have paid on a legacy carrier. Yeah. So really, you're not getting a low cost. You're just getting a no-frills base product. So I'd love to retire the low-cost carrier term and just say no-frills. But then yeah. again, that even gets mushy because American Airlines is becoming more no-frills no than the other major American carriers. So. Yeah, we need better better language for what they've been doing with a la carte pricing and how that affects the wallet because the cheapest looking airline is not necessarily going to be the cheapest when you end up getting all the things you need to get. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely, yeah. And, and it's such a headache to have to do all that extra addition. I just get angry as yeah. I'm you know, picking my seat and figuring out, oh, no, I'm going to have to check my bag and this and that. And, oh, it's just, it's just a pain I, in the world. And you were talking about how there's a different number on every seat. Everyone's paying something different. Part of me thinks they do that on purpose. So you just get so exhausted, you just click something and pay more than you should. I also think that there's going to be a big opening for a company that does not do that to us. We're all so tired right now. We've all been through so much in the last couple of years. It wouldn't it be nice just to say, have it the way it used to be. You buy an airplane ticket, you get everything you need for that one price and they're yes. going to take care of you. And you don't have to think about all this other stuff. We're missing, someone's missing the boat in actually serving the consumer the way consumers used to get served and making their product the best for the price. I think you're absolutely right. Yes. Um, recently, I've discussed this on the show before. I was at something called the International Media Marketplace, which is this big convention where people from all over the world come to New York to meet travel journalists and talk about different destinations, cruise lines, et cetera, with them. And I met the people from Travel Texas, and uh, they wanted to tell me a very particular story, which was uh, last year, uh, 
the holiday that's known as Juneteenth finally became a federal holiday. Now, Juneteenth is the longest continually celebrated uh, Black American holiday. And I don't think a lot of people know about it or know about its ties to Galveston. So I actually uh, interviewed a uh, historian there, a really lovely guy named Sam Collins, who told me the background of the holiday. Texas, at the end of the Civil War, had a quarter of a million people who were enslaved. And very few of them knew about the Emancipation Proclamation. So the Union Army came into Texas to basically tell those people, you are free, uh, which set, set off this incredible celebration among the people who heard it. This happened in Galveston, Texas, and not everybody heard it. You probably know about this history, Jason. I hadn't known it before. I mean, there were a lot of people who were still laboring on plantations, and uh, the the former slave owners didn't tell them they were free until after the harvest. So people were working for, for many months, uh, laboring under the delusion that they were still enslaved. And, the, and there was also a lot of dirty tricks that happened in Texas. But last year... Galveston decided to celebrate this history by creating a special historic trail to it. So they've painted murals, they've put up uh, really interesting plaques. And uh, I talked a bit to Sam about this, but what really struck me in our conversation, and we pre-recorded this, so I'm going to play it. He, he wanted to tell me about a very famous man from Galveston. So here's a little bit of Sam Collins. Galveston is an island of success and accomplishment. And uh, when people come here, they will hear some amazing stories. And the most famous Galveston native is the Galveston giant, Jack Johnson. Yeah, yeah, Jack Johnson was the first African-American heavyweight champion. He won the title on December 26, 1908. He was born in Galveston, March 31st, 1878. And you know, Johnson was larger than life. He, he traveled the world when most people never went further than 50 miles from their place of birth. He spoke wow. several languages. He played instruments. Uh, he, he negotiated his own contracts. He was just uh, an, an amazing individual. Uh, you know, he, his uh, home was in his family home was in the 800 block of Broadway. The original home is not there. But there's the Jack Johnson Park that's on 26 and M. So individuals huh. can come here and see a statue, a life-size statue of Jack Johnson. So the, the thing I, I tell people often about Johnson is that he wanted to become the very best in the world. He, he didn't want to become the best black boxer. He just wanted to be the best. So, you know, what would it take for us to become the very best in our chosen fields? What would it take for me to be the best historian, the best teacher, the best financial advisor, the best father, the best husband. You know, how many of us can say we, we became the best in the world? And Jack sure. Johnson's story should inspire all of us. And that story began right here on Galveston Island on March 31st, 1878. 
Isn't that moving, Jason? I just thought that was, you know, I mean, that's that's one of the reasons I'm so glad that very soon we'll be able to get back to travel because there's something about learning about the history of a place in the history in the place. It, it, it brings it home, and it 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 it's an emotional thing. I mean, listening to him speak about why we should care about this boxer. Uh, from the early 20th century, uh, I thought was 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 moving and and was very very true uh, that that we can use these historic figures as ways to become better people in whatever way we're going to do that. Did you know about Jack Johnson, Jason? No, but listening to him talk and his uh, by the way that accent it just it's seductive. Oh, beautiful, what a great accent, his great um, voice. It, I just I can't wait to get traveling again to places like Galveston because it's going to be so nice again to learn about other people's lives. We've all been so obsessed with our own lives <laughs> these last few years, and it's going to be it's going to be almost like a new feeling again to remember what other people's experiences are and have been. Uh, and I, I just can't wait to start getting out there and doing that again and, and stop thinking about the things that are happening in my own little world. It's, yeah, it's funny. Yeah. We don't think about how inward we've been facing. A lot of us have had to be these last couple of years. And just hearing him get so excited about what's, what was happening, you know, 100 years ago in Galveston. Yeah, I want to know more. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, well, before we go, let me give a, a bit of a program note. Next week, we're going to start the show at 5 p.m. We're going to be doing it a little earlier next Eastern. week, Eastern time. Uh, that's for people who listen to the show live on call-in. Uh, for those, the majority of our listeners who listen to it later, won't make any difference to you. And we'll still have the show on all our platforms. Uh, but for those who want to listen live next week, we're going to be doing 5 p.m. Eastern Maybe I'll be able to tell you a little bit about what I saw and did in Chicago. It's a big blizzard here today, Jason, so I know I'm really in Chicago. <laughs> but I love it. tomorrow I'll get to see and do uh, hopefully a, a couple of, of uh, interesting new things in the city. I've, I've been mostly holed in my hotel room here because of the weather. But that, that happens in Chicago sometimes. Anyway. Talk about getting to know a place. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yep. All right. So we thank you so much for listening. And to those who are traveling, may I wish you a hearty bon voyage. See you next week. Watching cable